This edition of the DBR Podcast is brought to you by the boys of Bird Campbell, your Duke-centric law firm, lawyers by vocation, but Duke grads by the grace of God. Founded by former Duke roommates Jamie Campbell and Tucker Bird, they say go Duke or go home. Bird Campbell. Hello, folks, and welcome to episode 85 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We are coming to you on Wednesday, September 27th, and this is going to be a different podcast where we the focus is not going to be Duke football or basketball. But the news that we have today that we're going to talk about is something that implicates Duke basketball and really the ACC in general and overall college basketball. But first, before we get into that, let me quickly bring in my co-host first in Atlanta, Jason Evans. What's up, man? Um, I have three pages, three pages of notes to talk about this massive, massive scandal that has enveloped the world of college basketball. There are some folks who are saying this could change college basketball forever. So, yeah, I got a lot to say. Thanks. Well, before we get to Jason, let's bring in uh, the dude out in Denver, uh, Sam Klein. Sam, what's up, man? I don't have three pages of notes, but I do have uh, my last two days worth of reading articles and listening to podcasts and uh, reading Twitter, and I have two beers in me. So uh, let's let's get right to it. Well, you know what? I don't have any notes either, but I do have beers. So, and I also have liquor. So I think between us, I think we each have a page of notes each, and probably I don't know five or six drinks each. So. Well, let's get right we'll, into it. <laughs> we'll definitely, if nothing else, if nothing else, will last longer than Rick Pitino in an Italian restaurant. Oh, oh. is it too we, soon? We Dude lost his job. No, it's not too soon. Oh, the poor guy. How much Dude money did he? His job. How much? We're gonna lay down on him. Ugh. How okay. much money did Rick Pitino make in his career? I'm gonna look that up while you guys start talking. Okay. You know what? While you look that up, let's get into the whole meat of 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 the sausage, uh, so to speak. College basketball got hit with a bombshell over the last couple of days. Really, the center of it has been a corruption scandal involving a, Adidas, a former Adidas executive or a current Adidas executive. I, I'm not quite sure what his role is at Adidas, but he uh, has been the center of this corruption scandal that really blew up yesterday and really hit ahead today when – Rick Pitino got placed on administrative leave along with Tom Jurich, the administrative, uh, I'm sorry, the athletic director at Louisville. Let's get into all of this. Let's unpack it. There's a lot of things that have come about, including the arrest of several at, uh, associate, or I'm sorry, assistant head coaches with basketball, including the University of Miami, my secondary school. But first, I'm going to kick it to Jason because, as you guys heard, Jason has three notes on the, three pages of notes. So let's go ahead and get into it. Jason, what um, do you think about all this? Yeah, so so uh, I, my notes are all over the place. I've got a million different things to say about this. I'll probably be jumping in left and right, and I apologize in advance. Um, I, I want to start by saying this. Uh, Rick Pitino's career is over. It's finished. There's I, I can't believe anyone would question that or wonder about that. Um, he, he'll never coach. Uh, another college or professional or any basketball team again. I guess maybe if someone wants him to coach their ten-year-olds, he might be able to do that. But Jason, Jason, done. Jason, yeah. I I have to interject because I think he might be done with college. He might be done with the NBA. But I don't know if you've seen the movie Blue Chips. But even Pete Bell got another coaching job. So guys, Pete even, Bell Larry Brown, coaching. even Larry, Larry Brown, Brown got another coaching. Job. coaching. No, so, right. I. I, I will yeah, make a right. wager right now. Already done. I'll make a wager right now. Anyone who wants to bet me, Rick Pitino will never coach a professional or Rick Pitino will never be paid to coach basketball again. I will say that right now. The guy has, there's too many stains on his record. There's too much baggage that he, that he carries. But I, I'll tell you something else. 
though Patino, he's not formally gone. He hasn't been fired yet. We all know there, there are clauses in his contract. They have to wait 10 days to, to fire him, and, the, and they're negotiating the buyout. He's still owed $40 million. Rick Patino, by the way, was reportedly the highest paid coach in all of college basketball. So there's a lot of money that's still on the table that he has to figure out with Louisville. Um, but he's gone. He, he won't be there in 10 days or whenever they get all this worked out. But I'll also say this. Rick Pitino is not going to be the only person to lose their job over this. I fully believe that there will be other coaches, other guys whose names you recognize. I'm not talking only about assistant coaches. There are, there are already some assistant coaches who are in huge, huge trouble. But there are going to be other head coaches who I think will end up getting fired as a result of this scandal. It's going to be too far-reaching. There are going to be too many programs implicated. And unlike the typical NCAA scandal where people are like, oh, I wonder if the NCAA is going to slap probation on these guys. I wonder if they're going to lose some scholarships. I wonder if, you know, oh, maybe there'll even be a show cause penalty against that coach where he won't be able to coach for a couple of years. This is the FBI. This is the IRS. These are the feds and they're coming to get you. Firing, that's nothing compared to going to the big house. And there are going to be guys who are going to be looking at jail time. And when you're staring at jail time, you start rolling over on everybody. You're like, hey, can I bring down this other guy and I won't have to go down? No problem. So tip of the iceberg is Rick Pitino. There will be others who get fired and there will be others who go to jail. I don't know if Pitino is going to go to jail. I think people on his staff may go to jail. Certainly people he knows are going to jail. But uh, this, this is just the beginning. So that's Jason, the first thing. Jason, yeah. let me, wait, let me interject before you, before you keep going. Yeah. Um, so what you just speculated on, I think makes perfect sense. And I think that, you know, when we, like, when we read about like organized crime or you, or you watch like mob movies, um, the goal of the, of the FBI is to like get the top guys, right? They want, they want like the, um, like the Pablo Escobars of the organization. They don't necessarily want the, the mid-level guys, right? Yep, Who, Absolutely. Who, like, where does it, you know, imagining that, that college basketball is this enormous entangled web of, of, you know, money being exchanged between all these different power players and the players and the coaches and the agents and stuff, where, where would it end? Because like a guy like, let's say that the FBI decides to go after Patino, you know, who, who can he name? They've already got this, this chief executive at Adidas, like who's more important than that or more important than Patino who can get implicated in this? Is it? like a bigger coach like Mike Krzyzewski or Roy Williams? Is it perhaps like the like Mark Emmert? Like I, I don't know how much higher it can go than those guys. So so to to be clear, I, I agree with you. I think that every place where there's a domino effect of guys rolling over on people higher up the food chain than them, um it probably stops at the head coach at that school. That's the biggest name person. That's the person who makes the most money. That's the person who's the face of the program. Um, and in some cases, the face of the school. I mean, let's be honest. You say the word Duke and you say, who do you associate with the word Duke? People say Mike Krzyzewski. The vast, vast majority of the public can't even name who's the president of Duke. They can't name a single professor at Duke. More people can probably name Mike Krzyzewski than can name Grant Hill. And, you know, the, the other great players who've come through Duke. Um, so I think it stops at the head coach. So let's take Louisville as an example. If one of Rick Pitino's assistants is staring at a potential jail sentence, he might turn to the FBI and say, you know what, guys? I've got some proof where I can testify. I can tell you that Rick Pitino knew what was going on, too. He ordered me to do it. He's doing it. He was a part of it. Um, and so that's where it goes to. And, and look, uh, you know, at the other schools that are implicated at, at, at Miami, um, it, it goes up to the head coach probably. Um, I don't want it, to, it's hard because we're in the early stages of this. So you want to be very hesitant about naming programs um, that could or could not be involved and things like that. But there are, you know, 10 or 12 very, very prominent athletic programs that are connected to Adidas. And the, this indictment, if you've read this indictment, this indictment is very, very clear that the folks at Adidas were more than willing to shell out big money to boost those programs. And by the way, that's something I really want to talk about. I mentioned this on the boards. Um, there are people who hear about this scandal and they think, 
oh, Adidas gave $100,000 to Brian Bowen, who is a, a five-star, a pretty good player, um, uh, a, a very nice recruit who's at Louisville right now, who will, by the way, never play basketball for Louisville or anyone else um, uh, in college. Uh, but they go, oh, Adidas paid that $100,000 because they wanted Brian Bowen to be an Adidas player when he's in the NBA someday. Folks, that's not why Adidas pay, paid Brian Bowen hundred grand. Hey, Jason, Brian Bowen, before, before you yeah. jump in, because I think I have a question that I think is going to lead into what you are trying to say. Um, okay. What, what does it, how do you explain the fact that this Adidas executive was trying to pump money into these programs? Because in the case of Louisville, if you think of, of the University of Louisville, you first think of basketball and then football, right? Yeah. Yep. For some of these other programs, like for example, Miami, we're talking about the ACC, Miami, Adidas didn't get Miami for their basketball program. They got it for their football program. So what does it say? Or or Adidas isn't even, I mean, the, the other, one of the other major schools named in here is USC, who isn't even an Adidas program and isn't a, isn't prominently a basketball program. Right. So what does it say that Adidas, this guy is trying to prop up basketball programs especially some of these schools where their football programs may be the center of, of attention and also the center of controversy. In the case of Miami, the, the program's uh, faults over the last few years have been in the basket, have been in football as well as a little bit of basketball. Why would they try to prop that up at the, at the expense of basketball, and especially for a place like Louisville, where maybe the money isn't necessarily in the basketball program, even though they're prestigious. Okay. So, um, I'll, 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 I'll deal with both those things, yeah, uh, both yeah. of what you guys said. Uh, first, I want to go back to something that, that Sam said, um, about schools that aren't Adidas schools. There, there are two different scandals that are part of what happened in this, in, in this indictment. And they, they got wrapped together into one big indictment because there was one guy, um, who was sort of the FBI's inside man. The, the FBI had some other stuff on him. He agreed to to be an FBI informant and, and uh, reveal to the FBI all these different scandals that he knew was going on in the college basketball world. Um, so there, there are multiple scandals in this FBI indictment. One scandal, the biggest one, the one that's really going to impact the entire sport is the scandal that, that, that is Adidas executives conspiring with Adidas schools to pay players to go to those schools. And that's what's brought down Louisville. And that's what's very specifically targeted Louisville and, and Brian Bowen, this five-star recruit that, um, that was paid $100,000 by Adidas to attend Louisville. There's the other scandal involves agents who are trying to funnel money to players so those players will be represented by the agent. It involves financial planners who want when a player becomes rich, they want the player to use them for financial planning, so they funnel money to the players. And in the case of Chuck Person of uh, Auburn, assistant coach at Auburn, Chuck Person allegedly was was being paid to funnel players to a guy who was a clothing desire, designer. This is a guy who makes high-end, fancy clothes for athletes. You know, athletes wear those crazy, outrageous outfits and the such. And, and if you think about a basketball player, the size of a basketball player, the dimensions of a basketball player. You can't just walk into, you know, the local department store, um, even a high-end Macy's or whatever else it may be. And if you're six, seven with arms that dangle down to your knees, that's great for being a basketball player. That's lousy for buying a suit. You have to buy custom-made stuff. So this was a guy um, out of Atlanta who was a custom suit designer, custom clothes designer, and he was paying Chuck Person to funnel players to him. So Let's get the two, the, you can't see my hands, but I'm separating two, two, two different piles here. Sam was talking about two different things. One is the scandal involving Adidas and paying players, which is the major scandal. The other, and some of the assistant coaches were arrested or have been indicted for this, was the scandal involving um, funneling money to players, funneling money to coaches uh, under the table to, to get players to engage in services, agents, financial planners, clothing that's uh, you know outside the sort of regular scope of uh, of what the NCAA would allow. So that's that's what Sam was talking about. That's why there's some non-Adidas schools that are involved in this. Um, now, uh, Donald, what you were saying uh, about Louisville and uh, and about why Adidas would be putting this money into it, um, it's real, real simple. 
uh, just today in my mail, I got a catalog from Duke stores. Beautiful. I, I mean, like this was a 30 page, I'm sure a bunch of Duke um, fans, a bunch of folks, a, a bunch of you probably got this today um, because Duke stores sends us out to, to tons of alumni. Um, just a gorgeous catalog full of Duke apparel items and every single piece of, now there, there were ties, there were clocks, there were all kinds of very fancy things, but every single sports related item, everything that says basketball, football, women's basketball, lacrosse, swimming, you name it. Every single one of them, folks have a look, has something on it. It has a swoosh. It has a Nike swoosh. Adidas was paying Louisville $16 million per season over 10 years. $160 million, 10-year deal, $16 million a season, the fourth biggest contract in all of college sports. Adidas is paying Louisville $16 million a year to sponsor Louisville. Now, that is not so that they can get a Louisville athlete who becomes a pro to wear Adidas products. I'm sure that's an ancillary benefit. I'm sure that, you know, uh, when, when a prominent Louisville player, Montrez Harrell, just turned pro and was drafted in the first round, I don't know whether he's... Pick, you know, whether he's doing Adidas or not, but Adidas certainly has a little bit of a leg up on Nike and Under Armour and the other folks because he wore Adidas when he was in college. But the real reason they're doing that is because if you buy a Louisville basketball jersey, a Louisville football jersey, anything that says Louisville on it and it's related to sportswear, it's got an Adidas logo on it. And Adidas makes money off of that. So I want you to think about this. If Adidas can pay $100,000 to a top 25 player, and let's say Adidas can, pay, can pick four or five, or maybe it's only two or three. Heck, all you need is two or three stud recruits a year. Let's say Adidas sets aside half a million dollars, $500,000 to bring two or three stud recruits to Louisville every year. That's nothing. Adidas invested $160 million into Louisville. $160 million. Paying 500 grand for a couple of recruits? It's chump change. It's just making your investment pay off. Yeah. And I think the, again, there's a lot to unpack with this. Like for the example, you know, Sam and I were kind of talking about the schools that weren't Adidas and why you would go after players at basketball schools that really aren't, or, or, I'm sorry, at schools that have basketball, but aren't really considered basketball schools. The example being Auburn and Miami. I mean, Auburn is Auburn's, under always been, Auburn's been great at recruiting lately. They have yeah. been because of they, another been, guy that you didn't mention. Bruce Pearl. Bruce Pearl. Yes. Yeah. Who, <laughs> they, they have Bruce Pearl, who's already been fired and given a show cause for, for paying recruits or, or giving recruits illegal benefits. Before. There you go. That's what I was over, getting at. Hey, what's the over-under on whether Bruce Pearl makes it to November 1st? November oh, 1st. He's, what's the over-under he makes it to not. September 30th? He's not making it. Like, <laughs> no, he's, I mean, all these guys uh, – the, the, like you said, Jason, and, and, and it was in answer to my question about sort of how high does everything go, I think you're kind of right that you could, you know, if you want to look at this, this whole thing in the most nefarious way possible, each of the apparel companies and each of the athletic programs are kind of their own, you know, organized crime families, right? Um, so if Rick Patino yeah. goes down, he's, he's, the most, he's the most prominent guy he's at Louisville, gone. and there's... He's the right. godfather. He's the Don at Louisville. And, 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 and you know, I, I think we would all like to think and hope that this is not happening at Duke. But if it is, Mike Krzyzewski gets fired, and that's the end of that. Um, and if it's happening at USC, then, um, you know, it, it might be a couple of their coaches. I mean, uh, and, and it might be their prominent athletic director. If it's happening at Auburn, it's Bruce Pearl. Um, so, so I, I you know, any, any of these assistants who are getting popped um, especially if they're facing jail time. Cause like you said, it's one thing for them to face show cause penalties. Like, Oh, if Chuck person can't work in college basketball for a few years, well, he played in the NBA. He's probably got a lot of friends who work in the NBA. He could probably find an NBA job uh, as an assistant or, or whatever. Um, he can't do that if he, if he's serving, you know, 10 or 15 or whatever years in prison. So um, Chuck person's going to rat out Bruce Pearl. If he, if he, if he so chooses and, you know, I don't, I think at a certain point, guys are not going to, um, they're not going to fault him for that because, because that's kind of where he's at. That That's, I think that's what interests me most about this because we, we acknowledge 
uh, you know, the, the three of us have talked about on the show, I think that any kind of clued in college basketball fan has, has read enough in the media about so many of these players getting illegal benefits, whether it's the Anthony Davis story, um, Cam Newton over in football, any of the guys in football, there was, there was that great article um, a couple of years ago in SB nation about the sec bag men and all the, how all the sec football recruits get funneled to different schools and how all their moms get new cars and their dads get tractors and everybody gets houses and all this stuff. I mean, we all sort of acknowledge that, that this kind of thing is going on. Um, and, and even the coaches admit that it's going on sort of, you know, b- behind closed doors or, or anonymously to, to the media. What we haven't seen before is this involvement from law enforcement. And this is where you're going to find a, a lot of these programs with their pants down because there isn't anywhere for them to hide. It's not like they're skirting NCAA rules anymore. They have to, they have to somehow show up in, in federal court. And, and we're going to learn, I think, a lot. The, the reason this is such a big deal is that we're about to learn over the next few months and years related to this, we're going to learn a lot about the underbelly of all these college sports. So, Jason, you were talking about uh, Chuck Person uh, as an example and the fact that he had a bunch of, you know, you know, because of his NBA career, he has a lot of NBA contacts. And if he had a show cause uh, on him for the NCAA, that he would just be able to get another job uh, in the NBA for that time. That's not necessarily the case, because if you take, for example, when uh, Ohio State in football had a lot of issues and had a couple of probationary things, they suspended Jim Tressel for six games. Jim Tressel left Ohio State after those, uh, those uh, uh, violations came down and went to become a consultant for, uh, and I guess, an ancillary coach for the Indianapolis Colts. And what the NFL did is when the NCAA said, you're suspended for six games, Jim Trussell said, I'm out, I'm going to the NFL. The NFL honored that. Uh, and I think, you know, in this case, given how widespread this is, how big a scope this is, I think the NBA would do the same for any, not, not just Chuck Person, but any coach that decided, okay, I'm not going to, I'm going to take my punishment and go to the NBA or go to the, you know, another league. I think that league would probably, defer and decide the NCAA and say, hey, look, the NCAA has good reason to say you can't coach. So we're not going to allow you to coach in this league either. We're not going to bring that stigma on us. So well, that's and, something to look out for. Yeah. And, and what's more, um, unlike, and I'm not sure why this is the case, and we're, we're not going to get into this, um, but uh, in football, um, college coaches, uh, coaches tend to move between pro football and college football pretty easily, pretty seamlessly. Mm-hmm. There, there isn't you know, we, we see guys who are, uh, you know, offensive coordinators um, at the at the pro level become head coaches in college and college head coaches sometimes become pro head coaches and stuff like that. I mean, uh, you know, look, you only look at Pete Carroll, um, who, who went directly from USC to the Seattle Seahawks. Um, sure, there are examples of guys who failed, but there's a lot of movement between the college and pro football ranks. There's not a lot of movement between the college and pro basketball ranks. I think that the NBA game is so different from the college game. And there's, there's so much wrapped up in recruiting in college and, uh, and in the NBA, there's so much wrapped up in um, managing the egos of the players. It, it, you know, it's sort of, I think, even though they all use basketballs and they put them through hoops, uh, I think the two games are so different that you don't see nearly as much movement among them. But Donald, I think you're right. I think that the guys who get tainted with this scandal, it's going to be hard for them to find other jobs. Um, I want, uh, by the way, Sam mentioned, you know, Duke and what this could mean for Duke. And, and it, I, I got a request to make, I, I do want to talk about what this could mean for Duke, um, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, worst case scenarios and things like that. But I, I want to, can we pack that up and sort of pick that up a little later? Cause I, I want to stay on current things if we can for the moment. Um, uh, Two, two, two kind of things I want to talk about, and then I'll let you guys um, come back in. Um, one question I have in all this stuff is, uh, why would Adidas be paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for recruits to go to Louisville and not also be doing the same thing for other Adidas programs? It makes no sense for Adidas to be singularly focused on propping up Louisville. Um, 
the other prominent programs. So, so are you asking, so Jason, are, are you wondering why we haven't heard about Indiana or Kansas, Kansas. yet? Is that what yeah, you're so going? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to name them right now. Here are the big time sports programs who have shoe contracts with Adidas. Write this list down and pay attention to these names. Kansas, Arizona State, Bobby Hurley, Georgia Tech, Indiana, Texas A&M, Michigan State, Nebraska, NC State, and Miami. Those are the big time sports programs who have shoe contracts with Adidas. Now, wait, Michigan State, Michigan State is, is Nike. Yeah, isn't Michigan State still Nike or did they switch? Michigan State's still Nike. Oh, are they? Okay. I yeah. apologize. They're still Nike. Uh, Tom Izzo, I'm so sorry about that. You know, I saw Michigan State that, on the list. The rest of I, they list sounded my, good. They, they weren't on my and list initially. So what you're thinking of is Michigan was Adidas until, t- until a year and a half ago. Okay, that's what it was. And they and switched they, to the Jordan brand. Now they switched yeah. to Jordan brand, which I'm sure is clean. <laughs> Jordan brand is basically is Nike. It's, it's Nike. Um, but uh, so the ones that I would really wonder about on that list I gave are the, are the programs that, that get prominent basketball players. Louisville, Kansas, Indiana. UCLA. UCLA is not, they're, they're, UCLA's not a... Uh, they're they're not in Adidas a, school. No, they're not. UCLA is Under Armour. They have the richest deal in all of sports. UCLA. They are now. Last year, they were, U, they were, um, UC, yeah, uh, sorry, it, they were mean, Adidas. Because remember, Shabazz Muhammad, he had a lot of circulation around him about the fact that he was an Adidas player before he even went to college and ended up at UCLA. Oh, you're right. Well, they just signed a huge deal with Under Armour. Just signed one, yes. That just so I'm sure, so I'm sure that any transgressions, I'm sure whatever transgressions they committed in 2015 are, are going to be gone by now, right? Like, no one's going to care about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'll, I mean, the program, Kansas and Indiana, I mean, those feel like the two programs where I'd be like, I mean, because there's a lot of money. Adidas has, I got a list of the top 12 or so programs in terms of sponsorship dollars. And Louisville's number four on the list. They're the, they're the biggest Adidas school. They're number four. They get $16 million a year. Number five is Kansas. Kansas gets $13.6 million a year. And let me tell you something. There's probably like maybe 0.6 million of that is for the Kansas football program. The other 13 million is for the Kansas basketball program. Um, I, you know, I'd be really worried. And by the way, Miami's number 10 on the list. Miami gets almost $8 million a year from Adidas. They're the 10th biggest contract out there. And by the way, uh, the reason Duke is not, you know, you look at this list and, and it goes all the way down to Texas A&M's number 12, South Carolina's number 11. Yeah, I could go through the whole list. And you kind of look at it and you'd be like, wait, where's, where's Duke on this list? Um, Duke entered into a new 12-year deal with Nike in 2015. So a fairly recent deal, you know. Um, uh, the financial terms were, were not released and Duke is a private university. And so the financial deal is secret, just like coach K's salary is secret. No one knows what coach K makes. No one knows how much Nike is paying Duke. Um, I suspect if the numbers were public, it is pretty darn likely that, that Duke would be in the top five, um, uh, programs. Uh, but anyway, you know, like I say, I think that. Uh, I'd be if I was a Kansas fan today. I'd be scared. I'd be really, really scared. And so, uh, so guys, so really quick. Sorry, I said it was one other thing I wanted to talk about, and then I'm gonna take it back to you guys, and then I'll talk about more stuff. But hey, so I have a good friend, a really good friend of mine, a guy I've known twenty plus years. He he was a roommate of my brother in college, who for more than twenty years has been incredibly involved in the business of sports. Um, he he's. He's been an agent. He's been connected to agents a tremendous amount. He's been an athletic financial planner type guy. Um, he's written books. I'm not going to let you Google and figure out who he is, but this is someone who is really, really involved in the business of sports. He goes to the Final Four every year because coaches that he knows gives him their tickets. Um, and I spoke to him on the phone today, and he had a couple lines. There were a couple lines he said to me that, that I wrote down that I thought were really prophetic and really worthwhile. First thing he said was this, when you arbitrarily assign a market value of zero, a market value of zero, when you arbitrarily assign a market value of zero to something, to something that actually has huge value, then the underground economy is going to move in and make up that difference. The NCAA has arbitrarily said that college basketball and college football players have a value of zero. And the reality is we all know that they have tremendous value, that they're worth hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of dollars. So the underground economy moves in and takes over and fills that gap. 
And this is a problem the NCAA must address. And the other thing that he pointed out to me was he said, look, he said he wasn't even a little bit surprised by all this. And he said the shoe company guys are able to have communications and dealings with these players outside of NCAA rules. You know, the NCAA pretty strictly monitors when coaches can interact with players and the ways coaches can interact with players and what the coaches can do for players. The shoe company guys, they can kind of do whatever they want. And the NCAA doesn't say very much about it. And this friend of mine pointed out that the shoe company guys and the schools, their interests are 100% aligned. It is in Adidas' interest that Louisville succeeds, that Louisville gets players, that Louisville uses those good players to play deep into March Madness, and that people out there buy Louisville National Championship t-shirts. That is big time in Adidas' best interests. So I'll, I'll stop there for a moment. You guys take it while I catch my breath. So, uh, I mean, there's a, lot to, there's a lot more to unpack, I think, but... One thing I will note, uh, will note is that you were talking about what these schools get paid by these shoe companies. And I'll, I'll break this out into two parts. There's the part that the shoe companies care about the schools and how much they pay to the schools. There's what they pay to the coaches, which is completely separate. You know, for example, you know, if we're talking about Duke's contract with Coach K, there's what the school pays and then there's what Nike pays them. And that package combined together is what you consider his salary. Um, you know, for for it's the same in football as well. You know, these football guys, when you see, you know, Coach Cutcliffe wearing that dad hat on the sideline, he's paid to wear that dad hat by Nike. He's paid to wear the the, the windbreaker that he pay, that he wears by Nike. He's not paid by the school. The school pays him a set salary, and then Nike pays him another thing. So you have that part. But also, one thing that a lot of people who are just now getting this, it doesn't, this is not something that should be a surprise to people. Because if you have been aware of the AAU circuit for the last 30 years, this has Corey been McGetty. a. Corey McGetty. This has been, a, 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 forget Corey McGetty. He's, the, he, he's not even the tip of the iceberg. He's not even ice when it compares to the money that is pumped into AAU sports, particularly basketball, every single year. There's a reason why when you talk about guys, we talk about McDonald's All-Americans, right? We talk about how many McDonald's All-Americans that Duke gets on a yearly basis. We are not talking about the fact that some of these guys go to the Adidas camp. Some of them go to the Nike camp. Some of them go to the Under Armour camp. But they don't go to all three. They don't go to two of them. They only go to one. And it's because they are approached by these shoe executives from the time they enter high school, sometimes even before they enter high school, depending on how good a recruit these guys think they can be. When they are talking about the summer leagues, the Drew League, all these leagues that they have, were, or, or Under Armour, I'm sorry, were, were AAU tournaments that they have all around the country, while you have these guys talking about, I'm going to play with this guy, or I'm going to only consider these schools. The shoe companies, when you think about it deep down, have a lot to do with that. There's a reason why some of these guys only, only have Adidas schools on their list. There's a reason why some of these schools, and the reason why, I mean, we're talking about Michigan earlier. Michigan, when they switched from Adidas to Nike slash Jordan brand, they did that because they did a survey and they said, we're not getting the, the, the recruits out of Michigan that we normally are getting. We're not getting the recruits out of the Midwest that we're normally getting for football and basketball. Why is that? And they did a study and they said that 85% of high school football and basketball recruits prefer to wear Nike shoes. And they said, that's all we need to know. If we switch to Nike, we're going to get these recruits. Adidas found that survey too. And I think that's why they are at the center of this controversy, the center of the scandal, because they are trying to keep their name in basketball by pumping up some of these schools that you may not think are schools that are, you know, mainstream. You know, no one's saying, yo, Louisville is the upper echelon of schools in basketball or in football. But they know that they are a 
brand enough name in basketball that propping them up makes sense. And I think that is why Adidas is at the center of this. And I think that is why you don't see, at least right now, obviously this could change as we unpack more of this stuff over the next few days. That's why I don't think you see a lot of the really big recruits, their names involved in this. Because a lot of those guys are going to Nike schools. And at this point, Nike is not directly affected in this part of the scandal. Now, I, I preface all that by saying this could change over the next few days. We could find out a lot more information than we know now. But as of right now, this um, is centered around some of these schools. Uh, Donald? Yes. Um, the FBI today subpoenaed members of Nike's EYBL organization. The Nike EYBL is um, Early Youth Basketball League or something mm -hmm. like that. I think that's what it stands yep. for. Um, it is it is Nike's grassroots organization that deals with basketball players at the high school level before they reach college. Um, Trey Jones, Marvin Bagley, plenty of guys who have gone to Duke over the years and who are currently on Duke have played on the EYBL circuit in recent years. Um, and it is, you know, the FBI is looking at the EYBL now um, and it is entirely possible that other players are going to be taken down by this far-reaching scandal. I mean, look, part of the indictment that we read about, there's a, there's a, por there's a portion of this indictment where, where a, uh, it's believed to be Miami, a, a, an assistant coach in Miami tells Adidas that they need $150,000 for a kid because a rival shoe company has bid $100,000 for him. So someone mm -hmm. else bid $100,000, Adidas needs to up their bid to $150,000. Well, if someone else is bidding, that inherently means that someone other than Adidas schools are involved. Adidas wasn't bidding against itself. That's for sure. Yep. So um, uh, I, I think there's, there's little question that there's great, great potential for this scandal to envelop other schools. I mean, I named those Adidas schools uh, and I talked early on in this podcast about, I think Patina won't be the only coach to go down there. There, there probably are going to be a Nike or an Under Armour program. That, that will end up getting hit by this almost as hard, if not as hard as Louisville and some of the others. So Jason, um, knowing, knowing that, um, I, I, I think there's a lot of speculation we can do and a lot of ways we can take this. I did want to come back and, and kind of wrap it with, um, you, you mentioned sort of what the, what the Duke angle could be to this. Um, so why don't you take that introduction about how, you know, there there very well could be Nike and Under Armour schools involved in this, and tell us sort of what you think could be happening with Duke potentially, or or how Duke might be involved, or or you know, or not involved. speculate, yeah. but but hopefully hopefully, hopefully not, involved, not involved, but but yeah. sure, but 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 how it could involve Duke, or how it could involve you know other guys who are connected to Duke. Maybe you know there are Duke obviously has uh, some former assistants who have major head coaching positions, guys like Chris Collins and Steve Wojciechowski and Mike Bray. And Bobby Hurley. Bobby Hurley at an Adidas school, at a prominent Adidas school. Arizona State. Bobby Hurley is the head coach at Arizona State. That is a very, very prominent Adidas school. Um, okay, so here's what I'll say about Duke. And I want to start by quoting um, very, very prominent DBR poster, Billy Dat. Billy Dat is always good for a good line or two. Um, he's one of the best posters on the board, and he wrote something in the extensive, long, incredibly long thread about this on the on the board today. And I just want to quote him because I think it's really, really good. He said, as for Duke being clean, I've always thought we are as clean as is possible in an arena where it's nearly impossible to be all the way clean. Let me say that again. Duke is as clean as possible in a place where it's nearly impossible to be clean. And Billy Dat went on and said, I hope I'm right about that but I can't be sure. And I think that sums it up the best that any of us can. Um, I hope Duke isn't involved in any of this stuff, but I can't be sure. I hope that the Corey Maggette situation, folks, if you're a new Duke fan, or you, you aren't aware when Corey Maggette, before Corey Maggette arrived at Duke back in 1999, he took some money. It was like $2,000 or so from Myron Piggy, who was the head of the AAU program that Corey Maggette was connected to. I think Piggy got the money from Adidas. I think he got it from some shoe company. Maybe it was Nike. I don't even remember. But um, as a result of Duke, that, uh, Duke was firmly a Nike school at that point. We switched in, I think, 93. Mm -hmm. and From and Adidas. Having, 
Right. We, we, we were in, I I think there's a story that one of the reasons that Christian Leitner wanted to come to Duke was because we wore Adidas. And then right after he graduated, we switched to Nike and are still, are still Nike. Yeah. But, but in any event, the Corey Maggetti story, um, he wasn't paid to go to any specific school. The, the money that was given to him was never intended to be anything to induce him to go to any specific program. Um, it's a convoluted kind of story. Uh, and Maggetti ended up paying the money back and stuff like that. But Duke was never, um, Duke never got in any NCAA trouble for it because, and this is a real important thing to remember in this current scandal as well, Duke didn't know anything about what was going on with Maggetti. Um, uh, Duke, uh, Duke didn't benefit from what was going on with Maggetti. And, uh, and, and no one at Duke, Coach K, assistant coaches, athletic trainers, you name it. No one knew that Corey Maggetti had gotten money and didn't have any role in Corey Maggetti getting money. I think that is going to be the key for other schools that get wrapped up in this scandal. The question is going to be, did, what, was your program aware that something was going on? If a kid gets money and you have no idea and there's no way you could know about it, I don't think the NCAA is going to hold it, hold you guilty for it too much. Um, uh, you know, if you're doing your due diligence, if you're doing the best you can and something bad happens that you had nothing to do with, that you happen to have been an innocent bystander. Um, I don't think the NCAA, the NCAA traditionally does not get, you don't get in trouble for that. Now there's a big difference in the Louisville situation because, uh, the FBI has a Louisville assistant coach on videotape in the room talking to the guy from adidas talking about getting the hundred thousand dollars to brian bowen and how they're going to do this and and the louisville assistant coach talks about the fact that louisville is already under uh, a scandal and probation and so they need to be very careful about this stuff that's clearly an assistant coach (laughs) um that's clearly the program being involved in the malfeasance but my hope for duke is that if there's something involving one of our players um if there's something involving Nike schools that we know nothing about it. And I actually hope that because of the Maggetti situation, maybe Duke is a little more aware of this kind of thing. Um, Coach K, you know, uh, Coach K's talked about, Coach K was very bothered by what happened with Corey Maggetti. And, um, you know, he doesn't want that kind of stain on his program at all. We got stung, even though we didn't go on probation or anything like that. And I hope maybe that makes us a little more vigilant, a little more aware of the things to look for. That's what I hope. And the other thing I want to mention about Duke is, do you guys hear what Jay Williams had to say today? No, I didn't. didn't. Tell me. So Jay Williams, um, very, very prominent ESPN analyst, obviously former All-American, former point guard at Duke. Jay Williams said, um, Jay Williams was a top five, top three recruit in 1999. Um, He said he was offered money when he was in high school. he said, you know, he was very lucky. His mother and father both had very good jobs. Um, his dad had been a, a, had worked for American Express for 20 years, and so they didn't need any of that money. And Jay said he turned down the money um, because his family already had financial resources. They knew they didn't need it. But Jay Williams said that he was offered money during his recruitment, not by Duke, but by someone else who wanted him to go to a different school. Um, and he acknowledged that, you know, he doesn't blame kids who come from difficult financial situations. I mean, can you imagine $100,000? There are plenty of these kids whose parents, you know, don't make $100,000 in two or three years. The idea that someone would offer you a hundred grand just to pick a school, to pick a school that has a hall of fame coach where you can compete for a national title. Yeah. Where, where ultimately, I mean, like, you know, if, if you're a high school basketball player, the difference between going to Duke, UCLA, Louisville, Kentucky, or North Carolina is is negligible, right? I mean, if you're a if you're a top fifteen kid, if you go to any of those schools, you will end up being a lottery pick. Um, and and if one of them offers you a hundred thousand dollars, I mean that that seems like an easy decision, right? Yeah, how could you turn it down? So anyway, so Jay Williams admitted that he'd been offered money, and and I think I, I probably told the. I forget if I've told the story in the podcast before or not. I was friends with some guys at Duke when I was there um, back in the, the mid to late 80s. Um, there were guys in the basketball team who told me about being offered money uh, to play at other schools. Um, uh, now, they all said they were never offered money to play at Duke. Um, and they knew that 
uh, one of the reasons, one of the, one of the guys told me that the reason he picked Duke was because Duke didn't offer him money. So he knew Duke wouldn't get in trouble and he wouldn't go on probation. Wouldn't get, there wouldn't be any scandal if he went to Duke. He was afraid if he went to the offering him money that there'd be a scandal there. Um, so I, you know, like Billy Dad said, I hope that Duke does things the right way and yeah. that he tried to stay as clean as possible. Keeping, keeping that in mind, every, all those people that you've talked to, um, all those guys and, and Jay Williams all have a vested interest in, in keeping, you know, like if something nefarious was going on, if Jay Williams took money to go to Duke, he's certainly not going to admit it. Um, and he's not, he's not under any pressure to admit it. So, um, I, I'm, true. I, You're right. I would yeah. like to, you know, and, and I would like to, I would like to, to believe you and believe Billy Dat and, and believe a lot of the good press that Duke gets um, for being one of these programs that, that is probably clean, but at the same time, there is, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's all innocent until proven guilty. And, and at this point, I'm not going to let myself be shocked by any of it. Um, and, to, and to wrap all this up, I, I think we've also dodged some bullets. If you think about it, like, you know, I remember even back in what, 2002 or 2003, we tried to get in duty EB who ended up last minute making coach K fly out to Houston. And the report was that he basically said, you know, convince me that I should go to Duke and coach K left and said, you know, you wasted my time and he ended up going to Arizona, but ended up never playing for them. There's also Shabazz Muhammad who we, you know, was, was highly coveted by not just Duke, but every single program in the country, but had the, you know, clouds around him with the Adidas uh, and basically said, Hey, he's kind of so tied to Adidas that he's going to go to an Adidas school ended up at UCLA. Mo Bamba more recently uh, was a guy that we were going after, uh, ended up committing to Texas, and now is questions about his eligibility there because they they think he took some illegal benefits. So it it's not oh, necessarily Mo to say Mo Bamba's that bro- Obama's brother said that he was paid. Yeah, it's his brother that added him in that regard. So it's not the in in, in any of those instances. It's not that we were offering him money, or it's not that we were offering him an in, in, offering the guy an impermissible benefit, but by them not going, it got brought to light a little bit. So uh, there's there has been some of those things where, you know, what would happen if they go to it may, may not have been that it was a Duke thing, but it could have been where that player, because they were ineligible on the side over here, that it would have, you know, cost us in the end. So I think in the end, to, to sum it all up, like this – what a lot of people are saying is that this could blow the lid off of what college basketball already is and what most people fear it has become. And it'll be interesting to see how all of this plays out and if this even spreads a lot more over the next couple weeks and, and even months. Because right now, we're looking at, you know, the first practice is in, you know, 36 hours. So what does that mean for some of these programs as they enter the first days of their college basketball season with practices? Louisville really has to prepare for a season without their coach. Miami, South Carolina, USC, Oklahoma State, Arizona, these guys are going to have to prepare for life without some of their coaching staff. Uh, Auburn as well. They have to prepare for life without these coaching, without their coaching staff and wondering how far the rabbit hole really goes. So, it's going to be interesting to see how this unpacks over the next couple of days. But one thing is for sure, college basketball landscape has changed and I think is going to keep changing uh, as this, you know, evolves over uh, the course of the coming weeks. You know, can, can I play off of that really quick? And I know I've dominated this conversation and I apologize um, to folks who are sick of listening to my voice, <laughs> but Jason, Jason, if you want me to talk, I'll talk. <laughs> Uh, my, my, the last thing I want to say on this um, plays off of plays perfectly off of what Donald just had to say. Um, I, I have to wonder if this scandal, which is which is big, uh, Rick Pitino, Hall of Fame, won the national title just a couple of years ago, highest paid p- coach in the sport, is getting fired. This is a huge scandal. This is the kind of thing that's not just on ESPN. This is. This, will, this is on the pages, the front page of the, of the New York Times. This will be one of the major stories on, you know, all the nightly news. I mean, I, I, um, I, pulled, up, I pulled up my Twitter feed this afternoon, and the first 
string of tweets I saw was was the like NPR main NPR Twitter feed talking about Rick Pitino. Yeah, right. So huge, huge scandal. Could this be the thing? The final, the last straw, if you want to call it, the the final domino or the domino that starts the uh, whatever you want to call it, blah blah blah. Could this be the thing that gets the NCAA and the NBA to really work together to clean up the black market economy that is high school and college athletes being unpaid completely? Could this be the thing that gets them to work together to allow kids to turn pro if they want to, to take money if they want to, to maybe create a real developmental league? a real minor league for for basketball players could this be the thing that that allows the NBA and the NCAA to work together to to make sure that the guys who go to college actually go to school for a little bit and actually spend some time in school and the guys who have no interest in school go play professionally whether in a minor league or whatever else it may be i i, I hope that this is a huge scandal this is a huge impetus this could be a turning point and and i hearken back I think that this is the worst scandal. This is going to end up being the worst scandal to hit college sports since the 1951 CCNY Kentucky point shaving scandal. There are people out there who don't know about this. Google it. In 1951, CCNY, City College of New York, the only school in NCAA history to win the NIT tournament and the NCAA tournament in the same year. CCNY and a bunch of other schools, including Kentucky, which was a very, very prominent school, even back then in 1951, um, there were something like 30 different players who were involved in point shaving. Um, there were gangsters who were paying these players to not to throw games, but to shave points. Um, and, it, and, and it ended up, Kentucky ended up skipping a season. Kentucky canceled an entire season of basketball as a result of this scandal. CCNY has never been the same program again. Again, they were the they were the national champions in two in the two tournaments, the two prominent tournaments. The program has never been the same since then. But the the point shaving scandal of 1951 completely changed college sports. It uh, it led to a number of rules and regulations and laws that kept gamblers and gambling and gangsters and money out of the sport. And I I wonder, I hope that maybe we may back on the 2017 Adidas scandal or whatever the heck it ended up being called um, and say that was the moment where the sport encountered a huge crisis, but it was able to make a turn, make a change and adapt for the better. That's, that's my hope in all of this. I, I think I, since you guys both gave closing thoughts and then I'll, I'll give it back to Donald to kind of wrap with our final, slightly more fun topic um, that I think it, it might be fun for the three of us to do a subsequent show. maybe when we know a little more about what's going on that maybe outlines like how we, and Jason kind of started this just now um, sort of what the, what the future that we envision is where we don't have to talk about this, this kind of stuff over and over, because I guarantee that, that this podcast and every other show and every, and every you know website that any of our listeners frequent that, deals with college basketball and deals with college sports, all those places are going to be dealing with this issue for months and perhaps years to come. Um, regardless of, of, you know, we might, you know, we just want to talk about Duke sports, but we're going to have to talk about this because it is so relevant. I think it might be fun for us to do a program sometime down the road about what the, the end state that, that we envision is. And, and Jason, like I said, kind of got into it with the, with the minor league programs, maybe, trying to envision how, how the college teams work into this, because ultimately, I mean, we're, we're Duke fans. We want Duke to have a, a good basketball program, you know, I, and, and I think it would be fun for us to kind of speculate and also give our, give our opinions about what we want to see. I agree. And to, and to really, to really close it out, I just want to say, Jason, I'm, I'm actually quite, quite surprised at you. You did not mention SMU's death penalty. You did not mention Penn state's, uh, you uh, scandal that they had, but you didn't mention UNC, man. Like, are you okay? Are you feeling all right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. When I said this is the worst scandal since, I'm sure you were thinking I was going to go to UNC. No, no. It's I went the all worst the way down. Scandal since, since, since five years ago. Since <laughs> yesterday. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to be able to talk about Carolina. I think in about a month, maybe a little less than a month. I think we'll be talking about them again. But we'll be, we'll uh, be right back on. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Hey, folks, today's podcast is proudly sponsored by two Duke alumni from the class of 1978, Jamie Campbell and Tucker Bird. They remain diehard Dukies to this day, and they founded Bird Campbell, a Duke-centric business law firm with offices in Dallas, Orlando, and on the Florida Gulf Coast. Having watched or cheered for Duke football and basketball through close to 3,000 games, guys, that is impressive. They are truly true blue. Please reach out to them at birdcampbell.com, B-Y-R-D-C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L.com. And if nothing else, you can reach out to them to say, go to hell, Carolina, go to hell. Okay, and we're going to switch to our more fun topic. Uh, We got to bring this back to Duke in some way. So we're going to talk about Duke football for a minute. And you know what? We're talking jerseys, ladies and gentlemen. The Hellraiser jerseys are coming to Wallace Wade Stadium Friday night. If you have not seen the Duke football Twitter today, they released the combination, as they do every week, of the football jerseys that will be worn at the upcoming game. Well, this one came as a shock to everyone because they unveiled an all-gray uniform with gray helmets and the old Duke logo that was last featured on the helmet back in 2015 during the Pinstripe Bowl. They have gone all gray, ladies and gentlemen. And you know what? I, for one, really, really like this change. I think it's going to be cool. I understand that the players probably were really, really hyped when they saw it because this sort of thing probably came as a shock to even them when they unveiled these jerseys. So we're going to get quick reacts to the jersey. Uh, we'll post a picture of it when we post the, the podcast episode in the forum so you guys have seen it. But I know you guys have thoughts. I'm going to start with Sam because I know Sam has some thoughts on this jersey. Give them to me, Sam. Let's see. So first of all, I, I have mentioned, I believe, many times on this program that I was on the equipment staff at, for Duke football once upon a time. This was before we were tweeting out uh, what the pictures of the jerseys looked like every week. But a uh, shout out to uh, all the guys in the equipment room. I don't know if any of them listen. But uh, if they do, hey, guys, um, you're doing you're doing a great, great job. I love seeing you on TV every week. That being said, Donald, we 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 can't do this gray jersey thing. Why um, not? Why can't we? Listen, I, I went to the one the one game. I think it was in 2012 because I recall Austin Rivers wearing one um, a game in Cameron where the where the basketball team wore the gray jerseys that said Blue Devils on them. They're just awful, man. And, 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 and I'll say that I, I actually like the, um, the old-timey devil logo. Um, I, think in our, uh, I think in our group chat I refer to it as the Obama devil logo because he's got the big ears. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I refer – I don't know if you guys caught this. I, I refer to the, to the more famous uh, Duke logo, the one that, that's the profile who has the prominent chin. I refer to him as the Tarantino devil head. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if that reference doesn't make any sense to you, just Google image search Quentin Tarantino. Um, cause, uh, cause he looks just like that guy. Um, before he gained weight, Tarantino's gained a lot of weight in recent years. Yeah. All right. Google, young, Google young images Quentin of Quentin Tarantino. Google Tarantino, like, 19, 1990. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure. Whatever. Um, he's got the, he's got the chin and the, any, anyway, um, I, I think that, I think that logo is cool. I want to see that. Lo- I want to see that logo much more than I want to see the script Duke or the, the iron D, but um, I'm, I'm so opposed to the gray uniforms. And I'm even willing to say that I accept that sometimes we have to wear black uniforms because people think they're cool. I'm, I hate the gray. I, I can't believe we're wearing gray uniforms, especially, especially in a spot on a Friday night when we're on, I think it's, the game's on ESPN, isn't it? Yeah, so, it's a yeah. national televised game. Oh, yeah. Every, it's the I biggest mean, game going at that time. To the extent that, that anybody is watching college football on a Friday night, they're watching us. Ugh, I'm, 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 I'm appalled. I wish we could just be wearing blue. Hey, hey Donald, before you jump in, because mm-hmm. I know you're about to defend it and you love it and all that other kind of stuff, you said, I, for one, really like it. I think the four one was an important part. Yes, of it. very good, Jason. Very good, it. very good, Jason Evans, a, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Why I y'all got to hate? Wait, I spoke to a number of friend, of Duke friends, 
Um, and I didn't bring it up. I didn't say, hey, what do y'all think of the uniform? That, like this, I've, uh, you know, I have some Duke friends. We, we, all, we all chat on email. This came up. Someone else brought it up. I didn't bring it up. And, and they were unanimous in hating, hating this uniform. And I agree with them. One, uh, I, I, I said, the only thing on that entire uniform that says to me that this is Duke is, is there's a little D right, you know, right in the middle of it, um, right, you know, right at the uh, neckline. Um, that, that is the, clearly the Duke D. Aside from that, there is no, if you took that D away, I would never think that this was a Duke player. I would never think this was a Duke uniform. And guys, I'm about to bring it all full circle. You ready? You know why we're wearing this terrible, horrible, alternate, weird uniform with strange logos on the helmets and on the sleeves and stuff? You did know why City we're College, wearing it on- Did City College wait, of wait, New York wait. wear them? No, no, no. You know why we're wearing it on national TV in the biggest national TV game Duke's going to have all year until we play in a prominent bowl game? It's because of Nike. I'm telling you, we're doing this because Nike wants to sell alternate uniforms. They want to sell additional uniforms and things like that. I, I, I will be shocked if Nike didn't, if not dictate this, strongly, strongly suggest that Duke do something unusual, um, out of the ordinary, alternate uniforms for this major, important, huge national, uh, sorry, national television game. And I hate it. I hate it. That's not, I I'm going to look at the field and I'm not going to be able to tell who Duke is, except for the fact that Miami will probably be wearing orange or something like that. So it'll be clear that they're Miami, but th these well, guys, they don't look like Duke. It doesn't look like Duke. Well, the problem is what you, the problem with your statement is, you know, if, if, you know, you're talking about Nike wants to sell uniforms, sell, you know, alternate jerseys, they have to actually put them on sale first the only jersey the only basketball i mean sorry the only football jersey that they have is the blue jersey uh i've been actually clamoring i've been looking you know hollering at nike for years about putting the black jersey on sale uh and the white jersey on sale but they only have the blue one on sale so does it having said that does that mean that they're going to put this on sale what remains to be seen but i just want to go through the combinations of what they've worn so far this year they open up oh, against <laughs> oh, go ahead. I, I, I would. They opened up against uh, NC Central. They wore blue helmet, blue jersey, white pants. Okay, against and that, uh, and that's and and and, and that's, that's perfect. That's beautiful. That's kind of like the, the standard home uniform. I think that's correct. That's the standard home uniform. In my opinion, our best look by a long by a long shot. Against Northwestern, they went all blue, blue blue helmet, blue pants, blue blue jersey. Against Baylor, they went white helmet blue jersey, white pants. And then obviously we were on the road last week against UNC. We wore the blue helmet with the with the Duke script, white jersey, white pants. So what and does the, this mean? The, the only reason I, I don't like the, the Duke script is because it just, it reminds me of the dark days. Right. And, and you know what? Like I, I, I appreciate it because that's when I was working for the football team. Shout out the uh, video department. Uh, the, the the script the script helmet was there back then. We didn't have the Iron Duke D. We didn't even have the 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 Obama Devil, as we'll call it. Um, but I, I think when you're looking at these jerseys, usually we've by this time we would have worn the black helmet or the black jersey or the black pants, and we haven't done that yet. So, and it's probably this was the game I believe two years ago we wore black at home against Miami uh, for that game. So I think. Bringing this out is a chance to make a statement. And you know, we talked about this on the last podcast. This is a statement game. And I think the school, and, and, and you could say Nike as well, wanted to say this is a chance, Friday Night Lights, nationally televised game against a ranked opponent and, and a prestigious opponent in Miami, a chance to show the world what Duke is all about. And it, of course, I, I think, yeah, gray. you should probably. Duke is all about gray. We're, well, no, Donald, it, Donald the, fight song, the fight song is called Blue and White. It's not blue and white and black and gray. But gray is such a neutral. I mean, if you guys have been in the Duke store, you talked about the Duke store, Jason. There is a lot of gray in that Duke store. It's not just blue and white. Okay. Gray is a very neutral color. And it also is used to accentuate your school colors. A lot of people do this correctly, and I think Duke did it correctly with these jerseys because you get to feel like even though it's an all-gray uniform, the highlights of it are Duke blue, and that is what you want in an aesthetic jersey that is not your school colors. 
with the black jersey, the problem with the black jerseys that a lot of people have with them is that they don't accentuate the school colors. They accentuate the black color of the jersey. With these jerseys, the school colors are still accentuated and you can still prominently display them in a way that is suitable not just for your fans, but especially for the television audience. And I think Jason, that is what they were looking for. Jason, are you so convinced? I like. I don't care if we win. That's all I care. All right, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Fine. I'll. I'll. I'll take. I'll, I'll. I'm going to agree fully with Jason today, which is if we win, great. If we don't, burn them. <laughs> well, if you recall, the one the one color that we really can't wear is green, and I think you were in the stands for that. Game, I was right? in the stands oh, for that there. game. I was there I w- too. I, yeah. So burn the green. I think we're in yep. agreement. No green. So no green. <laughs> Especially no green. on Friday night. And I yeah, think, absolutely not. And I think if that's it, we're going to wrap it up here for episode 85 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We will be back soon, probably not this soon, unless something really hits the fan in the next couple of days. But until then, for Sam, for Jason, I am Donald and Duke Van. Take us home.